You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And today I'm bringing you another special episode in my series, The THC Break, where I cover relevant issues and hot topics. And the conversation that we're going to dive into is my recent experience having my personal Instagram at the Shada Tarabi deactivated for the first time. Now, this is a hot topic because I feel like if you're in the cannabis industry in any capacity, you're probably used to social media either to build your network and your personal brand, or you're using social media in some capacity for your brand or business. And in 2021, social media was used by approximately 233 million Americans. And with more and more of our world going digital, it's becoming even more increasingly important to have some presence online to connect with consumers, the industry, and establish brand credibility through content creation and thought leadership. I feel like this topic is also one that is always looming. Like personally speaking, as a marketer and content creator, this comes up all the time. Being cautious with what imagery I use, what words I say, what links, hashtags, and associations I make for fear they could land me in social media jail. Or worse, completely removing me from the platform altogether. On one hand, I should have been the most prepared for this, but on the other hand, I think there is a sentiment about this that while it seems looming, it also seems intangible, like there isn't a consistent pattern with who gets reprimanded or not, or for what, or for why, and for when. And that's because there isn't consistency from these platforms, You've probably heard me talk by now about the importance of owning your own content. For example, your website, that is a digital space where you own what you create and share, which I'll caveat with as long as you're on an open source platform like WordPress, which is personally the platform that I use you are dealing with closed platforms. And so think of open source as the free web and closed source as a restricted or censored web. The main point is that there are many definitions and pros and cons to open source versus closed source platforms. But Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, well, They're all closed source platforms, and what differentiates them from something like WordPress is that they, and I can't emphasize they enough, own the content that is on their platform and restrict and censor what they think is in the best interest of their platform. So naturally, when it comes to cannabis, unfortunately, due to its federal scheduled status, 
There is a lot of perceived risk involved with cannabis that these closed platform businesses just frankly don't want to take on. And we see the same hardships facing cannabis banking and payment processing. It's unfortunate, but it is the reality of the industry right now. And then on top of their stance is how there is no discernment for marijuana versus hemp, which hemp was federally legalized in 2018. So now, even though some of us work in a legal side of the industry, there is no clear way for these platforms to differentiate between the two sides. As a small business owner of a federally legal hemp business, it frustrates me to no end to see the cannabis continues to go more mainstream and yet still be stifled by these platforms. This is the new Yellow Pages. This is the new radio advertisement. And these platforms know their power for small businesses. And I know they know that because they keep marketing their small business tools to me like Hey, do you want to link your e-commerce store to your Instagram and sell directly within the app? Like, of course I do, Instagram, but you won't accept my products. And I also know that because I've attempted <laughs> to link my e-commerce to my Facebook and Instagram multiple times, and the same tools that they present for small businesses to take advantage of are not made accessible to those of us in the cannabis industry. I think a hard aspect to all of this too, that despite these platforms having these terms of service that say things like this, which I pulled directly from Facebook's terms of service, and I quote, our policy prohibits any marijuana seller, including dispensaries, from promoting their business by providing contact information like phone numbers, web addresses, or street addresses. We do allow marijuana advocacy content as long as it is not promoting the sale of the drug. Like, okay, I can kind of understand not promoting the sale of the drug. Again, they can't really discern, especially who's on the other end of that phone, like if it's a child or a teenager or something along those lines. But I'm a dispensary and I can't put my address my physical location of where to come shop with me and find my business is just really frustrating, of course. And that was Facebook and Instagram's terms of service basically says, and I quote, Instagram doesn't allow people or organizations to use the platform to advertise or sell marijuana. And then they add, regardless of the seller's state or country. So again, you can then be operating in a legal marijuana market like Colorado or California and still be under the same scrutiny and hardships that we're all facing with cannabis on these digital platforms. And we see an inconsistent enforcement for where the line gets drawn, unfortunately, and who they go after and when they'll go after you. And I guess that's where my nonchalant attitude kind of went prior to getting deactivated myself. I saw a lot of explicit content being created, nug porn, consumption videos, grow tours, and hell, I was even creating some of that type of content myself. And the truth is, sometimes it would get flagged and sometimes it wouldn't. I used to think the less you touch the plant, like ancillary businesses, for example, 
had an easier time on these platforms. But after watching friends and former podcast guests in the industry, like Kush Cards, who only sells cannabis greeting cards and no plant material at all whatsoever, getting kicked off TikTok twice and has now had also multiple issues with her Instagram throughout the months. It's just become more apparent that there isn't a time or place, but more on an if and when approach of this happening to cannabis businesses across the spectrum. You hear about censorship and you see it happen to others, but until it happens to yourself, you're kind of at a loss for how to handle it. At least that's how I felt. I um, had just had Ariana from WeedTube on the podcast, and we talked all about censorship with these platforms. And the hard part again is there is unfortunately not a formula for you to follow to avoid it. Yes, absolutely There are things that you can avoid based on what is in the terms of service or based off of just self-regulating. And absolutely, there comes to a point where you also just want to create engaging and educational and entertaining content and you decide to post it anyways. So, you know, that's been my attitude as a content creator. And I personally take that risk because it is personal to me. I would say that there are a few ways to handle this, and it really comes down to what do you have to lose and how risky are you willing to be? So I like to mention that for those of you who are maybe working with content creators, you're not necessarily the content creator yourself, maybe you're the brand or business. There's definitely different layers of risk that can be associated, and it's something that I think is not you know, it's a unique scenario to you as the content creator, the business owner, or the brand, how you want to move forward. I really don't think that there is a one size fits all approach. And so I'll peel back the curtain on my social media journey a bit. And I've talked about it in fragments, but haven't really shared the nuances of my digital story. And I do think it's relevant because that's the topic. We're talking about my personal Instagram getting deactivated and and kind of how I handled it and and what steps were in place before the deactivation happened and kind of how I've handled it afterwards. So, my Instagram, which is at the Shaded Tarabi, has gone through some iterations. Originally, I started out as a blogger, like a true blogger. I grew up with Live Journal and Zanga and eventually landed on WordPress, which certainly had many benefits and blessings over the year, especially as I've continued to navigate these digital waters. And I really, truly love long-form content, and I found it a creative way to express myself personally. That passion paired with my persistence led me to getting my first job out of college, which happened to be for a managed WordPress hosting company. And in layman's terms, I worked for a tech startup in the marketing department. But we were a lean, mean team of 13 when I joined, and I wasn't quite prepared for the roller coaster that I was strapping myself to. And so I joined and quickly found myself in a position where I was handed a corporate card and told to book really nice dinners for our partners in the cities for which we were doing business in. 
I just so happened to get to be on the road with my company as they were growing and scaling and found myself equally excited to be traveling, exploring, and doing it at someone else's expense. And I say that because I genuinely really had fun with it and so much fun that I quickly began to build a reputation for myself as a content creator. For example, we would be in Los Angeles and I would need to take clients out to dinner. And so I would pick, you know, the best sushi restaurant in the city. Or one time I remember being tasked, now this is a fun one, I really, really appreciated this experience. I was tasked with organizing a partner dinner in Leiden, Netherlands, which if you do not know is the home of Rembrandt. And we ended up hosting our guests in a restaurant in the base of a windmill. And I was responsible for figuring out the guest list and the location. So where these restaurants were sometimes helping plan the menu. If we were doing a course dinner and needless to say, I was truly living my best life. And with that came the evolution of my online presence, um, as a personal brand. First and foremost, it was a way to document my adventures. And so it started out as a blog, quickly evolved to an Instagram. And as Instagram was in the height of social media influencers and content creation, I was becoming one of them. My travel content was getting popularity, and when I would be back home in Austin, my profile was getting the attention of local businesses and publicists who wanted to work with me. And I'll also mention that this was the beginning of my experience being on the side of working with other small businesses and brands to create content on their behalf, which we now know more formally as influencer marketing. While I was growing my account over the years, I wasn't afraid to show off more of my personal side too. And I really believe in the power of building a personal brand and have leveraged that platform and continue to do so today. It's why a social media deactivation was so personal to me. Not only was there this threat of losing, you know, potentially my business account just by being a cannabis business owner, but now my personal account was also being threatened and for posting about cannabis content, um, which was something that I was willingly towing the line on. And so I had to accept that as I walked myself into this corner. Due to my focus on the personal aspect of my brand, though, um, when my life shifted, so did my content. So what originally started out as a food blog and social media account turned into a wellness and recovery account when I was in my car accident. And if you've listened to my welcome episode all the way back at episode one, you can learn more about how that time in my life really prepared and opened me up for being in the cannabis industry in the capacity that I am today. But my social media journey is just as relevant for that story too, because the accident is what caused me to shift my content for the first time. And while I didn't really know immediately that the accident would be the inspiration for Restart CBD, it would continue to be something that pulled me closer and closer to cannabis as a person and as a content creator building a personal brand. So when I officially launched Restart in 2018, I made the decision to shift my content once again. Uh, at that time, I was posting more wellness and recovery, clean eating, healthy habits to more cannabis focus. I saw the benefit of using my platform I had cultivated over the years to talk about a subject 
um, that frankly I thought was really important. In fact, probably the most important aspect to my recovery and wellness. And I had hardly been talking about it up until the point of founding Restart. And so that was really the next chapter in the evolution of how my content really started to become cannabis focused in the first place. But my account at The Shade of Trabi has always been about me and my personal journey and an extension of who I am, which goes back to the risk I was talking about, you know, taking on posting cannabis content. I made that decision because I was a personal brand. And so you might be a brand owner and you're like, of course I post cannabis content. My business is in cannabis but you also might be an individual who is struggling with wanting to post more cannabis content on your personal account. And I don't want you to shy away from it, but I do want you to be realistic about the challenges. Simply put, posting content about cannabis is just not as accepted on these platforms right now. And we can choose to accept that or we can challenge that. And that's where I try to exist is really in challenging these platforms to not just accept us, but to empower us just as they do other small businesses and industries. As a cannabis content creator, we have the fear of shadow banning, which is described by blocking a user from a social media site or online forum without their knowledge. typically by making their posts and comments no longer visible to other users. You might be going through this right now and not know why your content isn't getting engaged with. And from the stories I've heard from my peers, it seems that this can manifest in different ways from just having low engagement to people not being able to search for your account to losing the ability to engage, comment, and like on posts for a period of time. And so how does this even get triggered? (laughs) Well, it comes down to the content you are posting and that these platforms, um, might deem it to go against their terms of service. So be forewarned, but also don't be afraid. Things can feel scary, but there's also hope that we can fight back. And I believe that's what we have to continue to do in the most respectful way possible. You see, it really irritates me when I see celebrities like Seth Rogen or Justin Bieber able to come on social media and promote their cannabis products or brands without any repercussions. But we, the true small business owners, struggle with having our voice heard for sharing the same types of content. Unfortunately, it is not just them. There is inconsistency at every level. And again, just the reality of navigating digital in the cannabis industry. I could be really frustrated about it. I can, you know, kick the dust up. I can curse. I can do whatever, or I can double down and just accept that this is a potential inevitability. And so to shift the story into talking about the deactivation, this is kind of how it went. I have about 20,000 followers on the Shada Tarabi account. And like I mentioned, I've built those up over the last decade or so creating content working with brands, and building my personal brand up. 
I post pretty much exclusively cannabis content these days, such as touring different grows, both legal ones here in Texas hemp markets, as well as legal rec markets, like getting to visit my friends in Colorado and California. I'm a cannabis business owner, so I like to reshare our Restart CBD content. We are seen as educators, so we share a lot of educational content. So my personal brand is an extension of that. And we're also leaders in the local industry here in Texas. So it's really important to stay on top of recent news because I see and use my personal channel as a megaphone to alert what is going on in our industry. The last type of content that I had flagged on that account was me at a grow in Austin earlier this year, which was a fully federally legal and state legal hemp grow. But Instagram took down those stories because it said it violated their terms of service. And it wasn't that they took down every story. They took down specific stories that maybe had more closer imagery of the actual plants. But again, super inconsistent because half of my stories stayed up and about two of my stories, you know, got taken down. So that was a couple months ago and no other warning had come. They flagged those stories, they removed them, and I got no other notice. I'm also not entirely sure if it's all at the mercy of Instagram or if others, for example, can file a complaint against your account, which could raise alerts with Instagram about your account and you could get reprimanded that way. I personally never want to flag someone else's account, even if I dislike what they are doing, because I think that that is bad karma. But do I believe that it happens? Probably. So either way, content is getting flagged either by the algorithm, which is looking and scanning everything we post from the sounds to the imagery to the text. And so somewhere in between Thursday night, um, December 1st and Friday morning, December 2nd, I woke up to my personal account being weird. Like literally the night before I was scrolling, posting, no problem. And when I woke up, my Instagram was being glitchy for a few moments before the actual quote, error, your account has been disabled for violating our terms. Learn how you may be able to restore your account by clicking here. And when you clicked learn more, there was a link that you can basically fill out an appeal. But the trick, which I don't think it's really communicated, is Instagram won't let you actually fill it out for 48 hours. So when you get deactivated, you have to wait this kind of like 48 hours in purgatory before you can actually start to appeal the situation. So from the moment I woke up, I was actually pretty calm about it all. My fiance was shocked at how chill I was behaving. But if you talk to me one-on-one, you'll learn that I have a love-hate relationship with social media, especially growing up on it over the last decade. And I really hate keeping up with the Joneses and encourage everyone to see social media for what it is. It is a tool and nothing more. So there was part of me that was at peace with losing it. Truly, I was like, okay, this is it. This is how I just cut the cord completely. Um, But then about 24 hours into that first 48 hours, I definitely started to panic and feel really sad at You know, just all the accumulation of hard work that I put in building my content, the time, the energy, and 
the opportunity that I would be losing by my account disappearing. And so it was in the next 24 hours that I started to game plan. I was super fortunate to be connected through this podcast to some incredible women. Um, Alice Moon, who is a cannabis publicist, actually gave me some really great advice early on that I'll share that I think was really key to me navigating the appeal process. And then the other woman was my friend and former podcast guest, Miranda Cummings, um, which by the way, both Miranda and Alice have their own episodes on the podcast. So please go back and listen to their unique stories and perspectives. They're both equally badass women and so informative. But Miranda had recently gone through deactivation for one of her cannabis clients she manages and did a great job calming me down and level setting the situation. But the way it goes is you wait those 48 hours before Instagram lets you submit the appeal. And there are links which I will include in the show notes. Um, They're also pretty universal and you can find them by Googling, you know, quote, appeal Instagram deactivation. But again, when you're in the app and you are trying to like Cause like, to be really honest, like I literally tried to like log into my account at least like a dozen times. Like maybe this was an error. Like maybe if I log in on my iPad or maybe if I like change this email, like blah, 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 like something will change and they'll let me in my account. And that was definitely not the situation, but those links, um, come up through that manner. So you'll be able to see them that way as well. If that is something that you're experiencing. Um, but if you're like someone who wants to plan for it, the links are available through Google and through the show notes. And so once you're on those links, they ask some basic information like your name, your phone number, and they may even in some situations ask you to provide a photo of yourself holding a piece of paper with a specific number on it to prove that it is in fact you. But then they want you to explain to them why you think they made a mistake deactivating your account. And I'll tell you, you can submit an appeal every day. And sometimes I've heard people submitting multiple times a day until they hear back. So don't think that you're over appealing. I think I had that sentiment, like that feeling initially. I was like, well, I don't want to jeopardize. I don't want to like submit too many appeals. If there's, if they haven't responded to the first one, why would they respond to the fifth, sixth or seventh one? But I I think that's kind of just like practice, like Instagram accepts multiple appeals. So don't hesitate to submit multiple. And the attitude is basically like you have 30 days before your account is deactivated for good. So stay persistent in your appeal process and just keep resubmitting on those same links, the same information that they're asking. Now, the advice Alice gave me though, was to be short and concise in my message to them. No need to get into a heart story like I originally did. Just be straightforward and to the point of why you think that this was a mistake. The first appeal I submitted was a novel to say the least. (laughs) I submitted and waited the 24 hours and heard nothing. And that's when Alice was like, keep submitting and change your message. And within two hours of my second appeal, Instagram sent me the message through email I found out through email, sorry, this was a mistake, essentially, and then they let me log in back into my at the Shader Trabi account. Now, I don't know what truly made them change their mind. I don't know what was the magic message or frequency that did it, and I know I have friends and peers who weren't so lucky to get theirs back so quickly and still haven't recovered their account to this day. So again, it's it's super inconsistent. In fact, When it happened, I posted on LinkedIn and one industry friend said, welcome to the club, essentially saying that this was inevitable. So if that doesn't seal our fate, I don't know what does. But 
That's it. That's kind of the gist of the story. There are, again, things you can absolutely avoid doing and precautions you can take. And then sometimes you're going to be faced with the inevitable and you'll have to react. I don't know if Instagram will do this again to me. And if so, how soon? I don't know what triggered it in the first place. And I can't promise that this information will be relevant by the time this happens to you since things seem to be changing all the time. I also don't have any experience with deactivation on any other platform yet, but my former guest, Ariana, um, who I mentioned earlier, she talks about it from a YouTube experience. And then Lauren Meal from Kush Cards actually talks about her TikTok deactivations on her episode as well. I'll also mention, it seems that there is maybe a pattern right now. I've had a couple other peers in the industry who have also been targeted recently with Instagram getting their accounts deactivated. So it just seems like this might be their season for it. So maybe you want to be extra cautious right now. Again, I don't really know, but I believe this won't knock us down, but only build us up back stronger as a community and as an industry. But it's good information for you to be prepared with. So I hope this episode educated you and entertained you a little bit to help you get a better firsthand account of how truly unfortunate and uncomfortable it was to deal with, but how with a little persistence, you can get your account back up and continue to fight these platforms. And without saying, I'll extra emphasize, focus on multiple platforms, build your email list up, and work on your own website. Ultimately, you want to own as much of your content as possible. So thank you for tuning into another episode of the podcast and for listening to my special episode, the THC break. If you like what I am putting together, please give me some feedback. I always love hearing from you guys and I want to continue to deliver on relevant issues and hot topics. So you can find me back on Instagram as at the shade of Trabi and follow the podcast too at to be blunt pod. I'd love to learn any additional tricks or insights you've gained by navigating this for yourself. And by the way, wishing you a very happy holiday week and a Merry Christmas. I'll see you guys next time for a brand new episode of the podcast. Until then, bye y'all. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at the Shada Tarabi.